Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio, and yes, I am your host, Rob Watson. Today we have an important show. Um, I would love to say it's going to be fun, but it's kind of not, because we're actually going to be talking about some of the evil aggression in the world that uh, has cropped up in the last few weeks since we last were with you. Uh, We are, since the last time we talked, the, uh, the world is on war alert, or if not in certain parts of the world, actually in full-scale war, um, talking about Ukraine and the aggressions of Russia um, on, on that, that country. Um, Brody has been working with people in the Ukraine, helping get people out of the Ukraine. So we're going to uh, go to him in a few minutes and talk about that briefly. But we have our own um, active evil aggression happening in the United States, and the target here are trans kids. Um, trans kids have been targeted and under siege in a couple of states. We have activity going on in Iowa. We have activity going on in Indiana. And there's a bill that we talked to Brandon Wolf a few weeks ago in Florida that uh, they had a huge walkout, huge walkout by students in the state of Florida today to protest the Don't Say Gay bill that is working its way through their um, state legislature. Um, Our focus today, our main focus today, though, is going to be on Texas. And there, um, there's an aggressive attack on trans kids and particularly on their families. Um, The governor has taken an unprecedented and probably illegal move to um, go after those families, deem their care for their kids as, quote-unquote, child abuse, to send Child Protective Services after those families and harass them and potentially take their kids away from them. Um, In that process of of him making that order, um, two of the counties, the one county in which Dallas is located and the other county where Houston is located, the district of attorneys have refused to um, get behind that order and prosecute it. Um, also in a third county, yesterday a judge put, um, put a halt on that order um, due to a lawsuit that was brought up, so it won't be enacted in that county. But it is being enacted in other counties, and um, we are going to look at that in depth today. Um, Our guest who's waiting on deck um, is an expert at fighting against this stuff. Um, His name is Ricardo Martinez. He is the CEO of Equality Texas, and uh, he is going to – they're at the front line um, on this across Texas, and I'm sure with their hands full – um, but he's going to let us know what they're doing, what is exactly going on, and um, hopefully what those of us who are not there can do to support them. Um, with that, I'm going to bring on my uh, illustrious co-host, uh, 
Brody Levesque. Brody is, apart from being the producer of this show, he is the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine. And um, welcome, Brody. Hey, Rob. Uh, Good afternoon, good day uh, to our listeners and to our listeners in Ukraine. Slava Ukraine. Um, yeah. So, Brody, tell us tell us what's going on in Ukraine and and what your experience is with that. Well, um, as you know, the Russian president unilaterally declared war on Ukraine and ordered his troops across the border to invade the country. In the last six days, there have been uh, bloody actions across the entirety of the country. Uh, Putin's uh, military has shelled, bombed, uh, launched rockets and missiles against virtually every major city in the country. Uh, So far, the Ukrainian citizens are holding out uh, extremely well. Uh, Some of the fighting is absolutely bloody. The Ukrainian city of Kherson, which is in the southeastern segment uh, of the country near the coast, uh, fell, unfortunately, to the Russian troops. The second largest city uh, in the country, Kharkiv, is under rocket and artillery attack um, and has basically had its um, city center destroyed and gutted. Uh, Most Ukrainian cities now are beginning to sharply resemble um, what they looked like at the end of the Second World War. It's that bad. Uh, The Zelensky government uh, is continuing its resistance uh, along with support from the West. Uh, we have, unfortunately, I spoke to the U.N. High Commissioner's Office really early this morning. Uh, so far, we've had almost a million Ukrainians flee uh, through Poland, Romania, Moldova, uh, in an effort to get away from the fighting uh, and the Russian troops. Um, LGBTQ uh, Ukrainians are uh, just amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, I, uh, my colleague, Mike Labor, is the international editor of the Washington Blade, and my international editor, and I have been working various stories uh, that have to do with just the LGBTQI uh, Ukrainians. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out uh, to Sergey and his partner, uh, Misha, and Hiker. Uh, they are literally on the front lines uh, fighting against the Russians. I had spoken to uh, Sergey last week, uh, and he told me that our flag is blue uh, and, and yellow, and that's it. No more colors. So uh, virtually the entire LGBTQ community uh, is aligned behind uh, their troops. Um, and we're seeing a tremendous amount of uh, Ukrainian citizens uh, and now expatriates and even mercenaries coming in uh, from other countries uh, to assist in the fight against the Russians. Um, so this is not over by a long shot, uh, yeah. but this is so Brody, terrific. Brody, and... Yeah, Brody, one thing that, you know, I read about the sanctions that the world has imposed on Russia, and there was an article out, I believe it was Wall Street Journal, but I may be incorrect in that. But uh, it described the effect um, in Russia, and um, even though the article was trying to kind of pump it up as, you know, how it was really rough on the Russian citizens, it, it sounded a little bit benign where people were not buying their second homes because the, their interest rates had doubled. Um, different people who travel weren't able to travel because of different airlines being shut down. 
But it, I mean, my reaction to it was sort of like, is that it? I mean, that it didn't seem like we were really applying the amount of discomfort that is needed for the country to really rise up against Putin. Um, what what have you heard, and what what is the discomfort well, level um, by the Russian citizens? The discomfort the discomfort level now is considerable. Uh, they have run out of all Western cash. It grew to U.S. dollars and euros. Um, most American uh, companies are no longer doing Nike, for example, without today, no more. Um, additionally, um, they've been pulled out of Sabon, which is the world travel booking system. Uh, so they're not going to be able to book flights out of the country. Uh, they are isolated. Um, the oligarch's money has been seized. About the only thing that nobody's done anything with just yet is shutting off the oil and gas pipelines, but that will follow. The Putin uh, regime has had severe economic sanctions, and, of course, all their assets are now frozen. Uh, Russia's ability to continue to wage war is not going to be there. Supplies are running short. Um, nothing is forthcoming. Uh, from the global economy, and it's getting progressively worse. On top of that, we are seeing more and more protests inside Russia. How far this goes is anybody's guess, but it is not benign. These these sanctions and, and these actions by these companies uh, are definitely having an effect. Uh, we have been communicating with folks inside the Russian Federation. Uh, there is now a fear that Putin will be declaring martial law inside Russia, uh, in the next few hours. If he does that, it'll be very, very unpleasant for Russians. So right. um, there, there's a downside to this. So, uh, shifting yeah. gears, because I really do want to get to Ricardo, um, Iowa's Republican Governor Kim Reynolds this morning signed a ban on transgender girls competing in female sports. This bill marks the second anti-trans bill enacted in 2022 in the 11th state to pass an anti-trans sports ban. This one's got a Texas twist to it. This bill also allows any student who alleges direct or indirect harm as a result of a violation of the law's requirement to sue a school district, private school, or high school athletic association if trans girls are not banned from girls' sports. Um, Representative Mary Mosher of Iowa City, a Democrat, forcefully told the subcommittee of the Iowa House Education Committee, which passed the House version, quote, I am adamantly opposed to this bill because I think it is state-sanctioned bullying. Democratic State Senator and my friend, Zach Walls, told me in an email after passage of the Senate version, Republican politicians are trying to score political points and pit islands against each other rather than address the real economic issues affecting everyday Iowans. This legislation is shameful and disrespectful. Um, in her signature, uh, basically quotation she made as she was signing the law, she told the assembled girls uh, that uh, she was connecting it to Iowa's, quote, impressive legacy of advances, women's equality, um, which, of course, is just an absolute lie and a misnomer. Um, so, you know, it is, it is what it is. Uh, also, Brandon uh, Wolf at Equality Florida, their press secretary, friend of the show, friend of ours, uh, got a hold of me. And apparently the student organizer of today's Don't Say uh, Gay protest march, which erupted all over the state of Florida today, was suspended indefinitely from his high school, Flagler Beach High School up in Daytona, 
for get this, handing out 200 little pride flags that he paid for out of his own pocket. Okay, so Equality Florida is asking that everybody give a shout out. Um, the kid is uh, Twitter handle is at Jack underscore P E T O C Z. That is at Jack underscore P E T O C Z. Brandon and Equality Florida's director Nadine uh, Smith are asking that we give uh, Jack a little love. That bill, unfortunately, did pass through on the, um, the House again for its second time through. It now goes back to the Senate for final reconciliation before it goes to DeSantis for signature. The governor, of course, has already indicated he will sign the, the bill. Um, and so, is, yeah, is Equality kind of Florida is, is, yeah, is Equality Florida fighting for him to be reinstated at his school? This just happened. I mean, this literally just happened within the last hour. So I, I okay. have no more information other than what Brandon sent me. <clears throat> Great. So. Okay. And did we catch touch on Indiana? Because that was the other. Oh, yeah, there was one more. And all the anti-trans all the time. Uh, Indiana's legislature passed through its anti-trans use sports bill, which they sent to their governor, although he hasn't signed it yet. All indications are that he will. Of course, uh as my dear friend Shannon Mentor, the legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights and a Texan, uh, has put it to me more than once, these people have just gone ballistically trans crazy. So, you know, Shannon's not uh, wrong. They, Yeah, no, they have. And, you know, the hatred of trans kids seems to be one of the new pillars of the Republican Party, which is bizarre, evil, and horrible. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's shift our gears directly to Texas, and our special guest today um, is, uh, as we said, Ricardo Martinez. Uh, Ricardo is CEO of Equality Texas. Um, Prior to being CEO of Equality Texas, uh, Ricardo served with uh, Stand for Children, so uh, standing up for children is not new to him. Um, He also was with... uh, uh, GLSCN um, in, in his, his previous um, efforts. Um, he also worked um, with Gleason Phoenix and was uh, worked with them when they were an instrumental coalition um, in overturning Arizona's no promo homo law, which was intended to prohibit K-12 through 12 schools from including LGBTQ representation uh, content and history in their curriculums. So uh, no stranger to the issues at hand and on the front lines. Um, I'd like to welcome Ricardo to our show today. Ricardo, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, a lot going on. What What is your perspective on this um, uh, executive order from your state's governor and uh, when did you first hear about that? You cut off there, uh, but I think the question was just my reactions to what happened last week with the opinion of the Office of the Attorney General and the governor's letter. Um, well, you know, it just feels like a continuation from last year uh, and legislative session here uh, where they, um, our opposition, filed 78 anti-LGBTQ bills, which is still 
uh, the the most bills ever filed in the state legislature in the history of the U.S. So it feels like a continuation. We're not that far away from when we when we finally um, went on hiatus a bit. Uh, but Ken Paxton and Governor Abbott can share their opinions as much as they want, but ultimately it's up to the courts to interpret Texas law. They can unilaterally create laws, and no court has ever found that being affirming to your trans kid is considered child abuse, not here in Texas and not in the country. So people don't have to comply with implementing the demands of a governor uh, that just wants to harm our community, and I would advise folks not to. Right. Were you shocked when you heard that order? Because that that kind of came out of left field. I mean, I want to say that I was, but I wasn't, right? If we look back to October 2020, on the governor's directive, the State Board of Social Workers Examiners voted unanimously to change a section of the Code of Conduct to no longer prohibit social workers from from prohibiting them from refusing service to clients based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. So essentially removing the protections that LGBTQ people had in accessing mental health. So a year and a half later, it's, it's a very similar strategy, but because the landscape has been saturated with so much disinformation, um, I think he, he believed uh, that there wouldn't be pushback. Right. How, how can the Republicans or he or anybody in that in this process rationalize this executive order. It seems like it is, uh, I mean, it, it, like if, a, if the governor of a state decided they wanted to consider people who gave their kids sugar, um, that that was child abuse and just put out an executive order, doesn't seem like that would stand up in, in any kind of, court or um, any kind of legal uh, jurisdiction because it's not backed by any law. It's not backed by any um, medical um, opinion. Um, how, how are they justifying this? Well, we don't have to guess here, right? Yesterday, one of his um, senior strategists was interviewed and said that this is a politically advantageous issue to, 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 um, to focus on. And I think and that is despite the harm that they know that they're causing. Um, so I think for them, it's more about elections and getting reelected at all costs. And this time, it happens to be innocent children. So Yeah, which is ironic. Well, it's not ironic. Um, actually, Brandon Wolf, when he came on a few weeks ago to talk about what was happening in Florida, that was exactly what he was observing of the politicians in Florida as well. They, they don't even understand what they're doing. They're just simply taking things that are politically um, beneficial in their minds um, to, to themselves. Um, what, what have you I'll seen? I'll push back a little bit there really quickly because I do, I do yeah. think that they know exactly what they're doing. And despite knowing okay. the harm that they're causing, they're doing it anyway. Okay, so they're even more evil. They can't even claim ignorance as a, as a justification. Um, what have you seen? I mean, what uh, different families that are being harassed? We've heard rumors that quite a few families have have been experiencing this um, persecution directly. That that social workers are showing up and and um, harassing them. Yeah, I mean, those are not rumors. I've spoken to families that have opened CPS investigations for loving their children and providing. Um, gender-affirming care that is life-saving and medically necessary. 
they're they're freaked out, right? Everyone is kind of under this state of fear because they don't know uh, whether or not they'll be next. And the the scariest part of this, I think, is that they are they seem to be targeting parents who showed up at the Capitol last year to defend the humanity of their children, right? Because it's all on the public record, so they can find folks um, and I think um, target them. And so. Um, that's the scariest part, that it feels like someone is standing up for uh, participating in the democratic process and now being targeted as a result, right? Um, right. It's scary. So is, is this a kind of a, an extension philosophically of the voter suppression stuff that's been happening in Texas? And uh, what, what is the status of that um, as, as you see it? I mean, possibly. I think this is uh, a bit different, right? But they all, I guess, they all, they both have some political advantages to them uh, in terms of getting reelected, right? Ultimately, it is about, again, getting reelected. Um, but, um, you know, the opinion ignores the consensus of every major medical association um, that supports the, the life-saving nature of this care. And we are not going to be victims of, a, of state leadership that is hell-bent on erasing us and uh, pushing us back into the closet. I, if I can interject here, I've had conversations yep. uh, in the last day or so uh, with folks from the Trevor Project who have told me that the calls are off the charts. Their call centers are losing it, and the massive influx is from trans, trans kids, and LGBTQ youth uh, in Texas who now feel 100% completely threatened uh, by the actions of the governor and uh, the attorney general uh, in regard uh, to this. I had a family that I know, Ricardo, and you do too, uh, that uh, is from the Houston area, and... um, they had what they referred to as the Gestapo uh, show up on their doorstep. The only saving grace was uh, they were sent away reminded that it was Harris County and that Harris County was not going to get involved in that nonsense. Uh, But at the same time, it rattled them really, really badly. Uh, In a conversation I had with Health and Human Secretary uh, Javier Becerra earlier today, uh, and as you know, the White House released the guidance from uh, Becerra's office, on exactly what, uh, you know, they expect in terms of from a federal level. Um, the only thing that concerns me, and, and, and you and I um, have um, communicated kind of sideways through our <laughs> various ways, but during the course of all the action against the Texas Bills in Austin, and, of course, I had Landon Ritchie, who was constantly, you know, giving me information, and we knew, obviously, what you guys on the ground were doing. I mean, this yeah. This is just an assault. So two questions for you. One, we know that the injunction is temporary until the hearing on the 11th. Right now it's limited to Travis County to this particular case. It has been said that the judge is waiting to see if she can write a tight ruling that could be probably immunized a little bit against the attorney general and the governor from further action, although it does look like it'll get kicked out of state courts and into the U.S. District Court, which has been problematic in the past uh, when it comes down to these issues. Um, and, and it seems to me that there, you know, the support is there. I, I need to 
call out your young volunteers, especially who yesterday, um, I believe in the University North of Dallas, uh, went after a candidate rather publicly, it's all over Twitter, um, referring to the gentleman as a Nazi and a few other things, pounding the desk, which i, I got to give the kids credit to actually ran him out of that thing. But give me an indication of just so that our listeners understand how terrifying this is because this is the knock in the middle of the night on the door. You know, it's coming almost a throwback to the KGB. It really is that bad because I don't think what's not being stressed here that people understand is that without an injunction and without a Fredley County attorney saying, no, I'm not going to enforce this nonsense, in certain parts of Texas, Child Protective Services could grab these kids up. The parents aren't going to be able to do anything, and then it turns into a seesaw back and forth until the courts get in the middle of it. And this is where the real problem is. If those child protective services can show up and they grab up those kids because they're child abuse or whatever because of the whole transgender issue, you know, those parents are going to have a fight on their hands to get their kids back. So let's talk a little bit about how bad this really is. I mean, it, it is bad, right? But I just want to make sure that folks know that regardless of when CPS knocks on your door, parents still have rights, right? And we have been doing everything that we can to potential to get the word out about what those rights are, are right now, right? And so parents should know that they don't have to let a, a CPS worker into their house if they come knocking, right? You can tell them, I don't want you here, and I'm going to speak to my attorney. I can schedule another time for you to come. They, parents can also have conversations with their kids about if CPS comes to school, you can tell them, I do not want to speak to you unless my parents are present. And when the parent arrives, the parent can say, I want my attorney present. Our coalition, mm-hmm. including the Transgender Education Network of Texas, the ACLU of Texas, Lambda Legal, Human Rights Campaign, Texas Freedom Network, we're working tirelessly to ensure that all of these parents have attorneys should they need them. So they do have some rights, right? That, so it's not. I hope. I yeah. hope we're not getting to a place where kids are getting snatched in the middle of the night, uh, because if if that's happening, then we're not doing our job. That is really important directive. I'm really glad you went through that, and um, I hope that information does get out to those families because that um, that that gives them um, a window or or a a, a strategy um, should should they encounter that. Um, Ricardo, what can you boil it down a little bit further on, you know, in these CPS um, interventions, what exactly they're looking for in terms of this, quote, unquote, abuse? In other words, um, if, if, uh, if they were to have that conversation, although I do hope people follow that outline that you just um, spelled out, but uh, if they did pursue it, are they looking for medication? that the kids are put on? Are they looking for the fact that the family is using the, the child's um, chosen name versus their, their, um, the original dead name um, or yeah. uh, that the, the child is being clothed differently? How, how specific are these people getting? That's a good question. I, don't, I have not seen any internal directive or communications between the commissioner and uh, the CPS workers, right? I, I don't know exactly what they're looking for. Um, but they, I do know, based on the conversations that I've had with parents, what they're asking for. And they're asking for parents to turn uh, over medical records, right? And 
that is what is really terrifying about this situation. Uh, they're asking for, for parents to turn over um, private information that they don't necessarily um, they don't they don't have to have, right? And that's why the presence of an attorney is of utmost importance, right? Because parents want they need to be guided. This is a really highly emotional moment, right? You're two and a half months away from right. the last. A special session of last year, you are still trying to undo the trauma and the memories of 2021. And here you are, someone's knocking at your door asking for paperwork. And, you know, whether some parents don't know their rights, right? And so that's why we're trying to um, pass along as much information as possible so that they can protect themselves. That, yeah, that is, that's huge. That's enormous. And um, uh, I, I'm, Really grateful you're doing that. I actually was involved in the the other side, not on transgender rights, but CPS and foster care. I was a foster care parent, um, adopted my sons through foster care as babies. So I'm, I'm familiar with that, that system in California here. And it's just um, absolutely appalling how it's being weaponized um, in Texas. That is just so completely bizarre um what other what other things uh, and it sounds like you're already you know ahead of the curve uh with equality texas what other strategies are you guys uh, pursuing uh education i think is of utmost importance right people don't have to actually comply with the with implementing these demands and this is another thing to consider in an already really layered and complex web um, the commissioner of the FPS is appointed by the governor, right? So the governor, of course, is going to appoint someone that would be willing to do their dirty work. Anyone that has the best interest of children would not be knowingly uh, cooperating. Um, and so, you know, there, there's that. That commissioner, Masters, is, is doing this work on behalf of the governor when the FPS workers have not been paid a living wage in quite a while. They have stagnant wages. They have unmanageable caseloads. And there are kids waiting for placement, sleeping in administrative offices. Oh, my God. Yeah. In terms of things that we're trying to do besides um, getting attorneys uh, at the ready for parents that need it, I think we're also monitoring whether healthcare providers are refusing to provide care uh, because of someone's gender identity um, and gathering that information. Uh, we're also encouraging any students uh, or um, teachers who feel like they have been harassed as a result of uh, their identity or who they are um, to reach out um, and file a Department of Civil Rights complaint form. Um, we're trying to track and monitor all of these situations so that we can advise folks get the help that they need um yeah it's just a mess yeah no that's, should, that's horrible good i should uh, point out that uh and i'll reemphasize this in the conversation with the health and human services secretary um it, it's really important that people understand um exactly what ricardo was saying but hhs also released guidance on patient privacy and it clarifies that despite the Texas government's threat, healthcare providers are not required private patient information related to gender-affirming care. HHS also released guidance again, making it abundantly clear 
that denials of health care based on gender identity are illegal, as is restricting doctors and health care providers from providing care because of a patient's gender identity. So just reinforcing, you know, what Ricardo just said, but also backing it with what the Health and Human Services Secretary and, uh, uh, you know, the feds are basically saying. Ricardo, you know, looking at, you know, and, and, and you went through all those hours this last summer uh, and the last, well, the last session uh, with some just horrific uh, attitude coming from the Republicans. I, I, can you give me kind of a sense of, you know, what is driving these people to just be so nakedly open about their hatred and hostility uh, directed not only at our trans brothers and siblings, but our community in general? Um, I don't know. I think it goes back to the for it being politically advantageous for them to get reelected, right? I think that that is a major part of this. And what they have found is that uh, most Texans, most Americans have a void about familiarity with transgender people, right? And they are filling that void with disinformation to cause fear, right? To turn Texan against Texan um, instead of um, – you know, building bridges, bringing people collectively together at a time when everyone is experiencing this um, complex trauma uh, related to the pandemic and the freeze here, right? There's just so much going on in the world, including the war in Ukraine, that adds to that uh, to that panic, right? And so if you fear-mongering about the lives of LGBTQ people may get them a few hundred votes, and I don't think that they care enough about our humanity to not do that. Yeah, it's it, it almost it, it's it, it's almost like craving a roadshow of of real transgender people to get out and do town halls and introduce themselves um, to the common people so that that people start understanding who they're afraid of. Um, is there a point that you see a tipping point with the public there, where um, the public as a whole is going to kind of stand up and go enough is enough? Um, against all this? Yeah, I think we're there now. I, I, You know, we've been at this for probably a year and a half, and we've been sounding the alarm. I mean, we had such a hard time last year galvanizing people around the fact that there were 76 anti-LGBTQ bills in Texas. We had such a hard time getting people out. But for, for some reason, I think this one went a little too far. You mentioned, somebody on the call mentioned some statistics that uh, Trevor ran. These statistics aren't new. Right. According to Trevor last year, between January 1st and August 30th, that's between the first regular session and the two special sessions here in Texas, the Trevor Project had received at that point 10,800 crisis contacts from kids in Texas, more than 3,900 of those calls coming from trans or non-binary youth. Kids are listening. Right. And that's the the, the stuff that uh, keeps me up at night the most. Right. Because think about it. These are the formative years for kids who are growing mm-hmm. up and growing into themselves. And when you fill uh, those pivotal years with messages that have them question who they are and their humanity, they end up a lot uh, of their adulthood trying to undo that harm. We are yeah. not setting up kids to live their fullest authentic and uh, fullest potential in life. Right. And that to me is a disservice to everyone. 
Absolutely. And uh, to your point, you know, the fact that two of the major counties basically pushed back on this and said we're not enforcing it um, is kind of an indicator of the the tipping point. Um, what what will it take to get the rest? What will it take to move that momentum further? You know, yesterday there was a press conference here in Austin that we had outside the courthouse um, in downtown Austin, and one of the things that I ended up saying was, we need all of our allies, right? Because silence hasn't kept us safe, and silence isn't, will not keep us safe. And so what we need is everyone who really uh, believes uh, in the richness and um, the, the amazingness that our community brings to the world to really stand with us, to, to really be vocal about their support, to stop transphobia when they hear it, when they see it, uh, and then just get informed about our issues, right? Understand that this has been uh, simmering for quite a while, uh, and it's just reached a boiling point. Right. Um, one of the elements that worked in the past uh, with North Carolina was when major corporations, and this was around the trans bathroom bill, um, major corporations came out against it and threatened, you know, leaving North Carolina and, and um, uh, all of that, and it had a huge effect. Um, we're not really seeing these corporations speaking up in these anti-trans situations. Um, it, what, what is your perspective on what's happening in that arena? Oh, do they not care? Well, last year, um, there's a coalition of about 70 businesses here in Texas that actually did write a letter um, a opposing all anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans legislation. I don't know that um, it had the same impact as maybe in years past, and it's certainly something worth exploring about why, right? But I, I think they were they were there, uh, but it just it wasn't as effective as before. Yeah, we've seen uh, we saw a list um, in the last week or so, and Brody, maybe you have some uh, or information on follow up of different corporations. I, I think even NBC Universal, I believe, was on this list that were actually um, supporting the politicians who are behind the anti-trans Florida bill. Um, Brody, did you have any update on that? Well, actually, it was worse. It was the Don't Say Gay bill. They were funneling money into both sides, and that's become a really contentious uh, issue, um, and uh, even more so in terms of trying to, you know, put the support out there. It's a little difficult for organizations like Ricardo or Nadine uh, or Tony Hogg here in California, so that's a quality California Texas supporter, respectively, uh, to be able to, you know, really get everything ramped up and get the troops all on board uh, when you have these companies uh, basically quite literally talking out of both sides of their mouth at the same time by, you know, saying they're gay advocates and, oh, look at our score on the HRC Equality Index on the one hand, and on the other hand, they're, you know, packs and funds are busy giving money, you know, to people like, you know, well, Greg Abbott. So, I mean, it, it is a difficult issue. Um, one of the things that I've heard repeatedly uh, from the equality 
Federation membership, uh, which includes obviously Ricardo and Nadine and Tony, uh, is that that kind of hypocrisy has got to cease. Uh, it, it's got to be an all-in sort of thing. And it's very difficult because it is such a politically charged thing. And because in many cases, you know, no one's willing uh, to step up and take ownership of it. Uh, here in Los Angeles, we have a young uh, PhD who is a historian. His name is Dr. Eric Sarvini, uh, who is right now leading a very active campaign against Disney uh, for, you know, basically underwriting politicians and others that are supporting the don't, gay, uh, don't say gay bill, uh, you know, in the state of Florida. I mean, Florida's home to, you know, Walt Disney World for crying out loud. And of course, you know, a lot of Disney entertainment mm-hmm. is there. So, you know, the, the thing is, is that the support needs to be there. And it's got to be support by, you know, everyday folks, too. The Equality Federation needs people's help. Equality Texas, Equality Florida, Equality California, you know, Equality Utah, all of them. And, and the best way of showing it is registering your displeasure with these large companies that are talking out of both sides of their mouth. And when these organizations need money, you know, whip out your debit card, your Apple Pay, or whatever it takes, and get these organizations the money they need. Because this is, they're in a long, tough, tough fight. People tend to forget that it takes money to do this kind of battling. And, and Ricardo, as CEO of one of the larger equality organizations, is probably going to understand that better than anybody. But this is where it's at. It's hard to do this when you've got the Walt Disney Corporation funding assholes Okay, they want to take our rights away at the same time saying, oh, look at us, human rights campaign was it. Yeah, you know, bullshit on that. I'm sorry. I'm talking out of turn, Ricardo, but it just inflames me. And how do you feel, Ricardo? <laughs> oh, I was waiting. I didn't know that there was a question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm sorry, that was a rant. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, right? I think that folks deserve the right to know, to have all the facts about um, organizations and how they're funding stuff and hold them accountable if they need to. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much all all I got right now. But oftentimes, um, oftentimes when we have a pause there, Carter, are you still there? I am, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, 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 we freak out over silences. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, Ricardo, who, who um, in terms of big uh, LGBTQ um, advocacy organizations or corporate entities would you like to see getting support from that you're not currently? And, and what kind of support? I think to the point before about Iowa and um, um, I believe it was Indiana, there's organizations that are actively uh, have, are fighting bills, right, that are going to can potentially get these things into statute. And I think we just need to get ahead of it and fund any organization, any state leader, uh, LGBTQ organization that is fighting these bills because, you know, if I put myself in the shoes of uh, where we were in 2021 at this point is where I was pleading for money uh, just so I could be able to uh, withstand the assault. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So I would it's just, ask uh, folks to tune in. Go ahead. Sorry, you cut out. I think there's a delay, and at times when I'm talking, I, I get interrupted, and then my train of thought just kind of leaves. So go ahead. No, I'm sorry. You were – I was asking about whether, like, HRC or all those different organizations, whether you were getting enough support for your fight. Yeah, the Human Rights Campaign has been amazing here. They have an incredible statewide director in Texas, Rebecca Marquez, the Transgender Education Network of Texas locally, ACLU of Texas has connections to ACLU National, Lambda Legal is a national entity that is also part of our coalition, uh, Texas Freedom Network here locally. The Trevor Project has been amazing over the course of the last year and a half. PFLAG has been incredible as well uh, in mobilizing their chapters from across the state. Um, there are a lot of folks, TILDEF, the Transgender uh, Legal Defense Education Fund, has been incredible as well, and they're helping us now to increase our capacity to be able to deliver on resources for parents uh, and trans folks. Um, there's just a lot of really incredible partners from uh, from the from the national perspective that are doing good work here in Texas alongside with us. Yeah, excellent. Um, I know you've got to take off um, from us. Uh, any final words on this? No, I just, you know, one, the last thing that I will say is that all kids, regardless of their race, their class, their genders, their sexual orientations, or ability deserve to live a happy and authentic life without government intrusion. And that is what our mandate is here in Texas, to, to protect the sacred futures of transgender kids, transgender people, and LGBT people generally. Yeah. Well, I know Ricardo's well, got to run. Ricardo, I want to thank you so much for all the work you do. You know you have my support and the backing of the Los Angeles Blade, uh, and, and I just thank you so much for what you do there. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, very much appreciated. Yeah, and thank you definitely for the guidance. I, I think that was super unique and important for and that word needs to get out to the families who, if they do encounter it, that they know exactly how to handle it. You bet. Speak to you soon. Yeah, so, Right, thank you. Photo. Thank you so much. Okay. So um, well, anything else, Brody, before we end the show? Um, I mean, basically just, you know, it, we, we need to, um, you know, make sure that um, people understand that this, this really at its base level is very, very human. And, and we really need to be able to, you know, focus people in on just how disruptive uh, this kind of uh, action being taken by these Texas politicians is. I mean, this is, this is, this disrupts families, this disrupts lives. Um, And as Ricardo pointed out, and as the folks at the Trevor Project have pointed out to me, uh, you know, this puts kids' lives at stake. You know, this, there's no joke here. This is, this is life threatening. And as Ricardo said, you know, and I will echo it, it's, it's just without reason. Yeah, they can't – it's politically motivated. Oh, let's get some votes, okay? I mean, it is just such a cynical, evil way of looking at your fellow human beings to take, you know, whatever differences in the diversity of humanity 
and weaponize that and then use it to lead a fight against children, against children. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it's abhorrent and, and evil um, what they're doing. Um, the takeaway I'm getting from this, though, is, um, and, you know, I, the thing that I would do if I had all the power to fight this and is I would put out ads across uh, all Texas media about uh, a proactive ads about trans, the transgender experience, what it is, why, you know, it should be respected, you know, get the familiarity out there in the, the public of people who don't really want to see transgender people and make them see them and make them see those lives and reaffirm transgender lives for the kids, for the non-binary kids. Because I think the thing that is most damaging and it can be damaging on both sides is when this happens that um, we don't get out there and first and foremost, before even fighting the issue, we don't affirm with the kids who are hearing the discussions that no, you are okay. No, you get to live your authentic life. No, you get to be who you are. Um, and I really do appreciate what Ricardo was saying about the guidance for any family that comes across, you know, this kind of scrutiny is you say no. You say no. You may not come in. No, we are not cooperating. No, I want my lawyer here. And do not give them an inch. Um, and that, that will be effective because the background on this is they have nothing to stand on. They have no legal precedent. They have no medical precedent to stand on. Um, and, and when this gets into an unbiased hands like a court, it can't move forward because there is nothing behind it that, that would help it make sense. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, it's just, you know, I'm hopeful that, uh, that, you know, in addition to, you know, Equality Texas, I want to give a shout-out, obviously, to Lend Legal and the American Civil Liberties Union of Texas chapter and ACLU National, uh, Chase Granjo and the crew at the uh, ACLU LGBTQ Project, uh, you know, for all the hard work that they're doing to try and, you know, put an end uh, to this, you know, basically campaign of, you know, erasure of, of trans kids uh, by the Texas governor, the Texas Republicans, and, you know, the Texas attorney general. It, it is just, and, and quite frankly, you know, the lieutenant governor, he's, he's got some blood on his hands too because Patrick was definitely involved uh, in making sure that anti-trans legislation was put back into the special sessions uh, last fall. Um, so these are the types of things that, you know, they need your support. And, and they would, uh, I know as far as the quality Texas is concerned, you know, will we'll really, you know, it'll be a benefit and a value add. Right. So, okay. Well, that is our show for this week. And um, we will be back again next week. Um, and we'll have something really powerful and wonderful. Um, hopefully one that's a little bit more fun, but we'll see because we have to react to what's going on in the world at the time. But um, definitely throw your support to Equality Texas. They're fighting a really tough fight. 
um, as are organizations in the other states, as we pointed out, Iowa, Indiana, and Florida, among just a few. Um, this is coming up. Um, and be vocal wherever you are because the, that is the thing that will stop this is when the public support um, and the public opinion um, goes against this kind of horrible behavior. And it should because it's, it is not grounded in anything threatening. Nobody should be afraid of transgender people, and we should be supporting people to be themselves. They're more powerful. They're more wonderful. They're more fantastic when they're allowed to be who they really are. So I want to thank Brody for his work um, on this and on the L.A. Blade, and I want to thank you all for listening. And with that, we will see you next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.